We're in a uh, 2020 study called My Year of Restored Vision. Say it. My Year of Restored Vision. And I placed it that way so that you would say it. Say it. My Year of Restored Vision. And we easily get the cart before the horse. We regularly do this. I don't know who came up with that term, but I guess a long time ago before I was born. Evidently, the horse is supposed to be in front of the cart. Evidently. But just, just that thought, all right? The cart is all the needs, all right? The horse is the power of the transportation. And we regularly get our needs in the front. How many have some needs? Anybody have some needs? Okay, so I, it's not that we're not concerned with those needs. It's just that when we, when we get things backwards, when we get things upside down, we struggle. We constantly struggle. And on purpose today, this service from the Lord has been set up to realign you in your worship, to realign you in your prayers. Anybody experiencing that already? Experience some realignment, some correction for myself, for you, just to reposition us on where the Lord wants to be. And there's things that are important to me. I like people to be here. It's good to see everyone here today. God bless you coming out on this cold winter day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm just so grateful, you know, this 65 degree weather. I'm so, but you know, that's good. And I, and I want you to, to do well. I mean, we work hard. I mean, if you go, if you walk in the door, you're going to be loved and, but it's, it's our heart to do that. You know, you, you walked into a clean bathroom. Somebody praise God for clean bathrooms. There's, we make sure that there are people who are taking care of your children that are prepared and, and ready to go. And uh, we do background checks on everyone. Somebody say, hallelujah. We're not going to let the devil sneak in, you know. Uh, but whatever your background is, we want you to know we love you, okay? No matter what you pass through. But I can't force you to be here. And I can't entertain you enough to heal your life. Can't. I can't. I mean, believe me, we live in a world of entertainment. Our entertainers are our gods. We worship them. Yay, they were in a movie. You know? So entertainment is not fixing our nation. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's fun, but it doesn't fix us. It's nice to let, relax, but what we need more than anything is a restored vision. What, it does, what does it mean to be in a relationship with God? What does it mean? What does it mean? And what are God's plans for me? So we opened up last week out of Isaiah 43 and 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Read it. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So that is a great word from God. And here's what we learned last week. We learned that God will take all of your brokenness and all your path, past, all of the wounds of your life, he will use that in order to pave a way through the wasteland. So you, you might say, well, pastor, you know, I'm stuck. I've been stuck for a long time. Listen, God's not finished. I'm telling you, he's not finished. And, and when this, come on, when this thing is over, he will use whatever you've gone through, if you will allow him, in healing you, he will turn that into asphalt. 
He will turn that into a highway in the wilderness for people who will come after you. I mean, you've heard me tell my stories of where my mama was. She had an abusive father. She grew up poor as dirt, just wounded and hurt. But God raised her up and made a stand for righteousness and peace. And she raised this young man right here. I said young man, capital young. Okay, anyway. And I sometimes walk on that path. And my love and my admiration for my mother in part has to do with the fact that even though her father was not there and though he abandoned her and though he abused her and though he left her, my mama rose above that brokenness. And I know her story and I walk on it. So when I find brokenness in my life, I walk through her wasteland and her wilderness on her testimony. Can I get an amen from somebody? Say this, God will not waste my brokenness. Just say, he will not waste my brokenness. And he's healing you. Some of you I prayed for last week. And I'm telling you that God is not finished yet. Okay? Not finished yet. And you, you say, well, I'm in a hurry. Healing is a journey. Yes? It's a journey. I'm, I'm not finished yet is very relative, isn't it? Like if I'm eating a piece of chocolate pie. And I say... I'm not finished yet. You're going to leave me alone because I still got my fork in my hand. Somebody needs to keep a fork in your hand because God's not finished yet. Somebody say, God's not finished yet. The best is yet to come. Say it, say it. So I wanted to teach you this, but too often people leave Sunday. You know, they've got a few words. They've got a few thoughts. They've got a new song in their heart. You've got some scriptures, hopefully, that you'll take home and you'll revisit them. But I, I want, as we're entering in this 21 days of prayer, I don't, want, I don't want us just to pray like we've always prayed. So today, my teaching, and you can see it, is a vision for powerful prayer. A vision of powerful prayer. Say it. A vision of powerful prayer. A vision. Perhaps my vision of powerful prayer. And, and my, my fix today is this. I believe that we would pray differently if we believe prayer was powerful. I believe that our prayers would be different. But I also think that we do some things the way that we do because we've learned them that particular way. You say, well, I don't... Yeah, you learn. You say, I'm not a good learner. Yeah, you are. You're a fast learner, you're an old learner, whatever. What you have seen, you emulate. You are doing what you've learned. And you probably, you know, you know, went to a good church. And I'm not busting all the churches, but... But I'm saying, just because someone speaks in, with a religious accent. Isn't it amazing how we talk one way when we're having a conversation? But then when we are ready to pray, suddenly we are Elizabethan. <laughs> oh, mighty goddess. You don't say it that way. Mighty God, that thou wouldst come and pour Thy bountifulest blessings upon us, thine children and thine people. You can almost hear God saying, just talk normal. Just, just relax. Okay, now I'll talk normal. Do you talk to your friends that way? They would laugh at you. Who are you trying to? So, you, you know, you're going to be in a Shakespeare play or something? What's up? I want us to fix some of those things. I also want us to fix some of our 
our tiny little, uh, you know, uh, prayers that we speak just to make God feel good. You know, the God feeling good prayers. Like, God, I love you and you're really good and I just want you to know that. Bye. All right? Sort of like that, isn't it? I mean, we, we just say amen instead of bye. But we, we have that. Don't we have that? And I'm not saying it's, a quick prayer is fine. I'm not saying you have to pray for an hour every day. But I'm saying that, we, did, did you pray? Yeah, I prayed. I prayed three times a day. Before I ate breakfast, before I ate lunch, before I prayed. But I was tired. I couldn't pray before I went to bed. I just hate it when I fall asleep when I'm praying. Prayed in the morning. Said, dear God, it's morning. Not a prayer. Okay? I want you to know differently. I, I, wanna, I, want to, I want you to experience what you've experienced this morning already. I want you to experience in your home. I want you to experience in your personal prayer time during this week. Uh, and my scripture, we're going back to Ephesians 1. Uh, I pray. I just, I just, first of all, I love the fact that Paul prayed. Anybody like that? I pray, not like we say, I'm praying for you, which means you might think about them. Now people, at least they're saying, I, my thoughts and prayers are with you. All right. So that, I guess that's nice and it's, it's good. I'm not telling you not to write it, but, but uh, what would happen if we really prayed? What would happen if we really knew how to pray? Uh, I mean, is God just waiting on enough people to sign in on his prayer site until finally he answers our prayers? If I can just get 500 people to pray, I know God's going to move. What if we could get one person who really knew how to pray? Still in the room? Open your hands. Just open your hands. Could you do that? I recognize you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm not here for blessings, Jesus. You don't owe me anything. I just want you. Just want you. I just want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. All right? I'm teaching you how to pray right now. But you didn't say, Father, I come to you now in the blessed name of Jesus. No. Here I am in your presence. I'm so glad to be your child. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for being with me and in me. Okay, put your hands down. All right, I'm just, I'm just taking you there. All right, you might say, but that was real. It was real. It was honest. Some of you, as you were praying, say, please don't stop. Anybody doing that? Don't stop. Let's just go there, Pastor. And uh, I want you to have that. It's like, I can't wait to have some time to pray. I'm going to run to my, uh, upstairs to my bedroom for a moment. I'll be down, honey. I'll be down in about 45 minutes if I can get this done. And then just sit there on the floor or on the bed. Don't lay down because you'll take a nap. Just sit there somewhere. Well, if you have to lay down, whatever. Kneel down and just begin talking to the Lord. Look at the scripture. He says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now, wait, we got to slow down. Slow down. I pray. Here's one of the things that I'm praying. Paul says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I've got if I was concerned about my internal vision as I am about my external vision, I would be spectacular. But, I mean, how, I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could go to a spiritual eye doctor 
and they could examine some things. And maybe they would do something like that. They would sit you in a chair and they turn off all the lights and they would say, come on, just lift your hands slowly and let's just see if you can. And you're, you're already having anxiety attacks because they turn the lights off. And somebody's trying to get you to just talk to Jesus for a moment. I think that's what Paul is saying. I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened in order that you may know. Here's what happens when your eyes are open. You begin to know the hope to which he has called you. So when my heart eyes are opened, I'm praying that the heart, your heart eyes would be open so that you know the hope to which he has called you. And secondly, you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. If you a few years ago, I don't know how long ago, they used to have this uh, get-rich plan that they would put on TV. And the idea was, there is money that is yours, that belongs to you, that you have, un you have not claimed. Anybody remember that? So they'd want you to write a bunch of letters to these different people. I didn't check it out. I did, well, I checked it out, but I didn't do it. So the idea was, there is an inheritance that you have that you have not yet received. And this is a spiritual one. And he says, I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance. I have an inheritance that I haven't received. And it's because I'm blind to it. And then thirdly, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So how many have ever felt just weak and anemic? Anybody felt that way before? Just so spiritually weak and anemic. I mean, you're like that person that I just need somebody to pray for me. You know, how many know that person that knows how to touch God? Anybody know that person? You know, I'm going to call so-and-so so they will pray for me. Wouldn't you like to be that person? So you didn't have to waste minutes on your phone? You could just be that person. You could actually sit down, call on God, and hear from God and receive his glorious inheritance yourself. No, that would be too much problem. I would prefer to have Sister Tootsie do that for me. We have a Sister Tootsie here, all right? So I'd prefer her to do that. I could just, I would be well if I could. No, God wants you to pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Somebody say, I pray. Just say it, I pray. So I want, to get, I want you to have a vision. That's what we're working on, a vision of powerful prayer. I'm going to take you through some scriptures today so that you can have that. So, you know, sometimes in life I'm around individuals that seem to have an aversion to prayer. I mean, excuse me, they, they just don't want to pray. Anybody been around people that as soon as you say, well, let's pray, it's like, all right, okay, that's all we got to do. We're going to hold hands or something. Here's my finger, you know. You know, you're, you're, you're sitting at a table. And you know, you always got some of those folks. They're going to pray for like 30 minutes right now. And I'm not that 30 minute. I'm hungry. All right. So we'll pray and give thanks for the Lord. But more than that, you have people that just have, a, you know, it's like, you know, you can see it in there. We're going to pray now. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know much about this, but I'll sit here. But, it, but it's as if there's something strange about it. Like, uh, you know, you feel like they're looking at you like you must be one of those overly religious people because you want to talk to the Lord. And, uh, but I get it because I found so many of us do not know how to pray because when we do pray, it automatically, we jump into this path of the super religious activity that we can do it without a relationship with Jesus. It's like, I'm praying right now. I know how to pray. I, I can pray. 
let's just welcome Jesus here. Let's talk. Let's worship Jesus. I don't have to worship Jesus. I know prayers. My mama taught me prayers, and I went to church, and they prayed the same prayers like every, and I can pray those prayers, and I can quote nursery rhymes. So at what time did Mother Goose ever do something for you? So my my purpose today is I want our prayers of freedom to move mountains. In fact, let me say it this way. If you believed you could move mountains through your faithful prayer life, how would that change your prayer life? If you looked at that word, you know, mountains, you know, if you had, you know, faith like that to move mountains, would that change it? Would that shift it? It's like there's some mess going on. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. It's like people say, do you pray for your nation? Do you pray for your leaders? I ain't praying for nobody. It's because you don't believe your prayers work. If you believed your prayers work, you would say, wait, wait, let's stop. I'll be back. I'm going to go get along with Jesus. But did I just inform you of something? I'm not trying to throw guilt and shame. I'm just saying that we have lost that understanding. I don't want you to just pray in these next 21 days. I want your heart to be enlightened. And I want you to truly see the windows of heaven open. And I want you to see the, the, the riches and the glorious inheritance that you have. And I want you to see the power of God. But if you're going to hear from God, if you're going to have clear vision and focus in 2020... You're going to have to make a covenant to knowing God intimately and maintaining a conversation with him. It's like, I want to have vision, but you, you also want to hear from God. This prayer for you is like, I talk for like 30 seconds, God listens, and hopefully he does something later. Okay, so I'm, I'm not against you calling on God in a quick moment. I'm not against that. What I'm saying is it's more than that. You want time. You talk, but you also want to hear from God. And, and those of you who know Diana and I, you know that though we love one another deeply and, oh man, I, I just talk about that. I get all, oh, I love Diana. You know, we've been married 38 and a half years now. It's just joyous and glorious. But just so you know, I talk more than my wife. It's true. Sometimes She'll get quiet, and part of it is because I'm still talking. And I'll, but, but sometimes I'll ask her questions rather than just make statements, and I'll ask her questions. You know why I ask questions? Just want to see if she's still in the space. All right? She's out of the room right now. I can say whatever I want. Okay? So, uh, no, she'll hear me. <laughs> Listen, this is going to make your life a little weird, what I'm teaching you today. It's going to make your life a little weird. But God wants to talk to you. Amen. All right? But we're not getting quiet and learning to listen to him. And we didn't even invite him into the room. And we need to understand. We need to know what it is to have powerful prayer. So I'm just going to make two quick points here. Now, nah, I'm going to make two points. Take the quick word away. All right? One, spiritual intimacy produces powerful prayer. Say it. Spiritual intimacy produces powerful prayer. And you know this statement. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So if you have faith 
as small as a mustard seed, and we have worked this bad boy over, haven't we? We have worked this scripture over. I mean, uh, you know, it's like people say, yeah, I got a little piece of mustard seed, and we pass out mustard seeds, say, you just have small faith. I think we just miss the whole point when we read the scripture. We just, it's like, we know it. If you just have faith as small as a mustard, it's not really the point, okay? And, and so we, you know, we plant a seed and see how it grows and stuff comes up and all of those wonderful metaphors. It's, it's more than that, all right? Now, let me say the word mountain first. Let me just use that because now we got people walking around, you know, in the hills saying, Lord, I'll just die in the name of Jesus. Move that mountain from over here to over there. And that's not what he's talking about either. So, so chill. Tell everybody, just chill. Chill for a minute. Just chill. But what he is saying is something about miracles here. Anybody believe that God does miracles, the miraculous? So he is talking about the miraculous, and I believe in that stuff. I have too many stories of miracles in my own life. I cannot deny it. Some of you might say, well, I ain't never seen a miracle. Baby, I am a miracle. I'm a walking, talking miracle standing here before you. If you've hung around me, you've heard my stories. Uh, but, but here's a background on this statement. You need to hear the whole context because Matthew 17, 14, uh, the disciples came to a crowd and a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and to the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. His disciples couldn't heal him. All right, there's a problem here. All right. His disciples couldn't heal him. Okay, now wait. These are the guys that at one time Jesus had sent out and they healed all manner of diseases. And the Bible says that they came back rejoicing, saying, even the devils are subject to us in your name. These guys, these empowered people who knew the name of Jesus, who started out, had a good step forward, but now they're in another crowd. Some guy comes. They've got, if a father has a son who's in trouble, and he comes and says, hey, Jesus. Jesus, uh, we're, we're here because we have went through the chain of management. We went to your assistant managers, the disciples, and they can't do anything. It's kind of like anybody been on the phone before? Anybody you called somebody because you got a problem and you just keep hearing that recording? Uh, please give us your account number and somebody will just speak it into your phone. And you're just finally, you're just on the phone saying, let me talk to somebody. I need to talk to a person. Please stop talking and give me to a person. And then somebody comes on the phone and says, uh, you are in line. You were in the call waiting line. Your call will be answered in approximately 30 minutes. <laughs> By that time, you're like ripping the hair out of your head, right? Come on, where are my people? Where are my people? Okay, so these guy, this, this guy is suffering. He's in struggle. And he says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. Now look at what verse 17 says. Here's how Jesus responds to this. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. The Bible says, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, <clears throat> in private, underline that, in private. It's like, we don't want you to tell everybody how bad we screwed up in front of everyone. In private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain. So what is he saying to them? You have less faith at this moment 
than somebody who had a mustard seed amount of faith. You're the disciples. You walk with Jesus. You've seen his power, but you still are struggling with your faith. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So please, first of all, don't misinterpret the scripture. This is the story of a father who has a child that is under spiritual attack. And that spiritual attack has manifested in this particular situation. Every time someone is sick, it does not mean that you have to cast the demon out. Look at me. All right? That is not consistent with scripture. However, in this particular point, this man had a child who was struggling and it was demonically influenced. Listen again. Many times people are under attack and simply learn to live with it. People are, and I know some of you saying, oh, you want in preachers who believe like in demons and stuff. This is one of those preachers who believes in the Bible and stuff. So if it's in the Bible, I believe it and I preach it. Okay, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna say, well, I don't believe in that stuff because it's uncomfortable for people. Look, I would be preaching a lot of stuff was okay if that's the way that I lived. But we believe in the word of God. And here's something else we believe, that we live in a highly populated universe according to scripture. We know that there are evil forces that are trying to destroy the people of God and specifically to stop the power of the church of the Lord Jesus. Scripture shows here that this is not just a sickness, but it also has a spiritual dilemma. So uh, I'm going to tell you this now. You might want to take notes. You should never be backward about rebuking the power of darkness when you're going through sickness and distress. It don't hurt nothing. They say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I cancel all of your assignments in the, in the powerful name of Jesus. I say, get out of my house and out of my family. You hear what I'm saying? Go ahead and clean the house. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever clean something that looks clean? Like, why are you wiping off that table? Because somebody was here before I was. Do you hear what I'm saying? Somebody was there. So when, when I'm telling you this, I also want you to know, I, I'm, when I, in, in that... I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. Go to the gym. Go to the counselors. Amen? But please go to Jesus and through his mighty name, throw that devil out. So the father discerned that his child was under attack. And I, I do not know the backstory, but perhaps someone had opened a spiritual door. Do you understand that you can do that? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. If you got any parents in the room? I'm gonna teach you a word that, this is a word from God that you can use in your family. It's no. <laughs> try it. Try it. No. no. I mean, you can also say yes, but if you say yes all the time, I don't know. Anybody got that? It's called boundaries. Can I tell you? Leave the Ouija board alone. Leave witchcraft alone. Leave Edgar Casey and the madam down the street. Leave them all alone. Leave pornography alone. Leave bitterness alone. Leave unforgiveness alone. Leave, leave adultery alone. How's that? Come on. Leave, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Somebody shout, leave it alone. Leave it alone. I'm struggling with that. Rebuke the devil and stay in the fight. And confess it to somebody else so they can hold you accountable for it. 
And let me know. Can I tell you this? If you're going through it right now, I love you right where you are. Don't you stop coming to church because Pastor Rick is holding me accountable. No. Come on. I'm just saying, if you don't, then what you're doing is you're opening the door for future generations. I see it all the time. I see future generations, and I meet their mom and daddy, and I say, oh, I know why you're struggling with that now. I know. You don't take, take a rocket scientist to figure this out. In fact, there are rocket scientists that have never figured this out. You might know a lot about rockets and not know anything about what I'm talking about right now. But I'm smart in the things of this world. So the, the, this... <sighs> so a discerning father brought his son to the disciples. The disciples had a past of defeating the enemy in the name of Jesus, who had at one time returned to Jesus, declaring, even the devils are subject to us in your name. The father said this to Jesus, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. And Jesus explains the problem in verse 17, Matthew 17, 17. And Jesus answered, and this is uh, the English Standard Version. Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation. So who is he speaking of? His disciples. Church people. Don't be talking to them. They'll stop giving. Can't do nothing about that. Leave that in the hands of the Lord. Listen. Oh, twisted and perverse generation. So, so when he's saying faithless, faithless is a state of actively not believing. I am now in a state of active disbelief. A state of in and out, up and down. The disciples had shifted from a state of actively believing Jesus, actively being engaged in the power of God, even though they were following Jesus, he's right up there. That's the Son of God following Jesus, seeing the miracles, but they've shifted. Jesus is the one that's doing all that now. Now they are actively disengaged because now they are event coordinators. You can hear what I said. They have shifted from power to a position of just coordinating the crowd. How many people got here today? The crowd looks pretty good. Hallelujah. Well, that's why it really matters. Crowd's coming out. Maybe we'll get him elected to King of Kings and Lord of Lords one day. Politics. They're all into politics now because politics, that's why. Make sure we got to make sure we got the right number of Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians and all of that in the room. Make sure. And Jesus, be careful that you don't say anything that upsets people because we want to keep the crowd moving. Can we make the line right over here? Let's make it and stay. Keep those children away from Jesus. And I'm busting on myself because I can get distracted. I can. There's so much going on and my head is on so many. I'm thankful for, for all, of my other pe- all the people that take care of things that I cannot focus on. And I cannot worry about uh, things like that. I cannot have that in my mind. I need to be fo- fully focused upon what God is doing and upon the word of the living God. I'm so grateful. But at the same time, all of us, from the front door to the back door, in the nursery, upstairs, and kids' ministry, every place, we need to be actively engaged in Jesus. You say, well, what's wrong with this? He called it perverse. Perverse. He called them perverts. Bunch of perverted disciples. I'd quit right there. That'd been it. I'd be done. Hey, Jesus. 
Enjoy the cross. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's the same concept as what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 27. He said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. You heard me say that, right? He said, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Like, looking don't hurt. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what, what's going on here? Jesus is saying, you've got your eyes off of me, and you, I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying here, all right? It's, it's here, here, here's an example, okay? All right? I, I enjoy this. This is one of my most fun things that's going on in our culture right now, okay? It's this. I love this. I love it. I love watching people get out of their cars, grab their phones, and walk through the parking lot all the way into Walmart just like this. I love it so much. I enjoy it. I, I watched a young lady the other day, Walmart or something, and her, she comes in the door. Her mother's pushing the shopping cart, and the daughter is right behind her like this. And she just keeps following her. And I knew that I would see that on the other side of the store. Because you got, you know, the one side is the groceries and the other side is the, you know, home stuff and the, and the clothes. So I walked to the other side just to see. And sure enough, there she was all the way to the other side of the store. Just like this. And Diana, did you see it? I know she would be right there. I love that. I, I'm not, I, I want you to know I love it. You do that. That is so cool. I mean, it's not like you're concerned about anything except this. Okay, let me explain. So in, if we stop calling this a phone, because I think a phone, a phone is something that you have, you know, that's a phone, okay? This is more like Star Trek, a communicator, okay? And, uh, it's, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, one day you'll be able to heal people with this. No, you won't. This is the world. Let's just call it the world. Because this is the way we live our Christian lives. Just like this, with our eyes focused on the world. We walk in and out. We even drive like this. We even drive just like this. And we look, we look at other things that might run over us. Things that might kill us, attack us. We look at them at our peripheral vision when we hear something. Oh, something's going on elsewhere, and then we're right back here. The reason this is so funny is because there are people in the church doing this right now. Okay? So I'm looking at the Bible and your Insta story, you know, anyway. TikTok. Okay, anyway. I, I'm telling you, we bust on distracted drivers, but we are distracted Christians. distracted. And our eyes are saying, well, it's 21 days of prayer. I'll see if I can find some time to do that. <laughs> Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, circle that, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is a theme of scripture. That's not just Hebrews 11 and 6, that faith is this. Faith is, look what he's saying. Faith is existing with God and knowing that as we seek him, he pours himself out into our life. That's what faith is. You say, well, I'm saved by grace. I know. I get that. And that's all some of y'all got. And that's all you want. I got my grace. Tell me what to do with my life. I know you're not seeking him. I know I need to do all the praying for you. 
I know I'm the only. I am your Bible. I am. Pastor Rick had never quoted that before. It still might be in the book. We struggle with faith. And notice scripture says, faith is about allowing God to exist. But even more, the seeking him, uh, it, it is another word. It's a, it's a very Hebrewish term where it says earnestly. Somebody say, earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him. It is to crave God. Come on, somebody say, chocolate pie. Come on, to crave God. I want God. I want him to stop preaching so I can get myself out of here to the Cracker Barrel right now. Stop it. Because you crave dumplings more than you crave heaven. Please, Pastor, tell me the truth. Lord Jesus, please be in this place. Are they still singing? When will they stop the singing? When will they stop? Oh, the other person's up front with their hands lifted. What's going on? What's going on with your craving? What do you want from God? Do you want him just to touch you on occasion and make you feel good or give you a little happy feeling just every now and again or make sure you have another job? Don't you want him more than anything else in this world? Jesus says in verse 18, bring the boy to me. And he rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Why couldn't the disciples do it? Why couldn't we drive it out? Because you have so little faith. Now, there has become such a difficult topic. Prayer is. Why are my prayers so ineffective? And the reason our prayers are ineffective is because of our lack of faith. And our lack of faith is the result of our divided heart and our lack of seeking God. Amen. Jesus, knowing the Father, in constant relationship with the Father, simply says, bring the boy to me. The disciples, out of relationship with the Father, not really knowing what the Father is saying, not hearing the voice of the Father, tried to heal the boy, but couldn't get anything done. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus brings the Father to himself and rebukes the tormenting devil and sets the, the, the child free. Now, watch this. How many know God has plans for us? Anybody know God has plans for us? Jeremiah chapter 29, look at that. For I know the plans I have for you. That's where we stop. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Somebody praise God. Come on, come on. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Okay, stop it, stop it. You never read the rest of that scripture. He says, I know the plans, plans to give you hope and a future. We, we just celebrate that. But then he says, when you know my plans, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. What? I got this stuff for you. All right. It's like a, I said, look, I got a phone number. If you call it right now, I can assure you they will give you a million dollars. You would stop everything. I said, but you have to call them from the top of the building sitting next to the steeple. You would be climbing on all kinds of people. To get to the top of the building. And all I'm saying is God has so much for you. He says, and if you would receive that, then you would call. You would pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What? 
He has plans. He has hope. He has a future for me. And he says, I will be found by you and I'll bring you back from captivity. What's holding me back? Lord, more than anything in this world, I just want stuff. I just want acclamation. I just want people to affirm me. I want to be liked. I want to be cute. No, more than anything in this world, I just want you, Jesus. I just want to know you and to exist with you and to be with you. Is this all right? You still with me? Like, sometimes you, it's like playing hide and seek. My granddaughter loves to play hide and seek. It's so cute. We were sitting in a restaurant. She's eating bites the other day and talking because she talks up a storm, sings up a storm. And she loves to play hide and seek. But what she'll do, you know, like on a restaurant table where they have that little advertisement in the middle of it? She'll grab that and put it over her face and go, <laughs> <laughs> You can't find me. Well, she's sitting right there in the high chair. I see everything but her face. Which is exactly how we are. We see everything but his face. He's right there. We know he's there. I want to see your expressions. I want to hear your voice. I want to see your eyes. I... More than, oh, I want freedom to pray. I want us to pray, but I want us to pray like we prayed yesterday. Ah, oh. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not done, but I'm done. I just welcome him. We just welcome him. Welcome him for this moment. Welcome him for a moment. Uh, okay, come back. Come back. Open up your eyes and look back this way. All right. Just one more statement. Pray until, because people want to know, how, how long should I pray? Pray until your vision is restored. Amen. And there are all kinds of scriptures in the Bible, stories about blind men being, blind men being healed. And uh, incredible stories. But each of those stories tells a story. We say, well, you open the blind eyes. Yeah. But it's more than about that. So in this particular story in Mark 8, they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Who did? They did. So did the blind man say, please take me to Jesus and let him touch him? No. Fine blind man who's sitting on, the, sitting on the side of the road begging. Grab blind man, take him to Jesus. Blind man says, okay, I'll go. Ain't got anything else going on. Don't have a place to go. Don't have any money. They, they begged him to touch the blind man. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Let me get away from all these guys. All right? And when he had spit on his eyes, <laughs> I've never seen people worship this way before. Just spit on me, Jesus. <laughs> There's not a song like that, is there? <laughs> Come spit on me, Jesus. Spit on me today. Spit on me, Jesus. Just have your way. <laughs> Spit on me, Jesus. Spit in my eyes. Who sees that? I ran out of lyric, or I'd keep singing, but. 
So he spits on his eyes and puts his hands on him. And he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up. He's out of town. He said, I, I see men like trees walking. And then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. So let me ask you this. How's your vision? How is your vision? I know you've had an experience with Jesus, but really, all you got is a little spit. And the Lord wants to do more than he's done before. Now, now look at this, because I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, well, why does he see men as trees? Why? And I'm going to tell you, this is my, this is my revelation. He sees men as trees because he's been sitting on the ground and hearing their voices. Amen. So as far as he's concerned, he still in his mind has this pattern of the way that all men look like this. So his eyes were whole, but his internal perspective was broken. Because he had been looking from a certain vantage point from, for so long. Anybody receive that? Say, why am I broken? Why can't I get out of this mess? I need Jesus to touch me again. Because even though I feel like I've been touched by grace, even though he spat on me a little bit, what I really need to do is see things the way that Jesus wants me to see them. I need to see them. Come on, we live in a dangerous world that is stealing our vision and we've lost our faith because we've traded for a weak and anemic vision of Satan in this world. We look at the world more than we look at Jesus. Remember that scripture in James 5 about Elijah, who in the Bible says, the effective, fervent, forever, righteous man avails much. And then the scripture says in James chapter 5, verse 16, he says that Elijah prayed, a man just like us, and it stopped raining. He prayed again, and it started raining. Now, that, that's a powerful passage we've been using on Wednesday nights for like three months. I've been, I've been there trying to teach people to pray. But, but, but listen, listen to what I'm teaching you, okay? This is a great story because... That happened, yes, but after that happened, if you go back to the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, we find Elijah in a cave unable to talk to God. So here's a guy that at one moment is calling fire down from heaven, and the next moment is hiding out in a cave. God even speaks to him, and he hears God a little bit. What are you doing here, Elijah? He says, I've been very zealous. You can almost hear in his voice, a little pouting. I've been very zealous for the Lord. Children of Israel, forsaken your, they, they, forsook, they, they have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So here's, here's his frustration. Now, rather than he's hearing Jezebel louder than he's hearing God. Right? So you say, well, I'm hearing God, but you're not hearing well. You're hearing the world, and you're more accustomed to listening to the threats of this world Amen. than you are the voice of God. Amen. And then watch what happens. Verse 11, he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And you can almost see Elijah going out. I'm going to go to church. I don't expect anything. And he said, and behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, the Lord, the, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Okay? This is warfare. You see this? Because the Lord shows up. Has anybody ever heard about Pharaoh's heart being hardened? Did God harden his heart? It was the presence of God. Pharaoh responded to the presence of God and became hard. 
God's gonna, God moves in earthquakes, fire, wind, but God's not in it. It's also for us, okay? Sometimes we're so busy looking at the wind and looking at the earthquake and looking at the fire that we can't see God. We say, God, why did you let this happen or this happen or this happen? And there are some things that have happened in our life. It's not about God. It's about all the warfare. It's about all the brokenness. And all you can see is what happened in your past. Am I preaching all right? So then, the Lord was not in the fire. But after, read that last line with me. But after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And a voice came in and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now we're going to get deep and intimate. Here's what I'm saying. Bad stuff happens in the world. We're in a broken world filled with the attacks of the enemy. God is not in all of that. Don't get stuck in a cave because you see violence and war. God lives outside of your time. Jesus. It's one of the reasons we struggle hearing his voice. Because when you learn to walk with him, you will learn that he is not bound by your current situation. He is beyond it. And he's reaching back to you and saying, look, I've got blessing and I've got help. I've got strength. I've got healing for you. But hear my voice. When you learn to walk with me, you will learn that I am not bound by this time. I'm not bound by your clock. I'm not bound by your situation. I'm not bound by your fear. Because our God is the God of a hope and a future. A future that he is already in. And he is inviting you into a reality beyond your physical situation. So in these last days. In Matthew 24. In these last days. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still not come. That's not me coming when you hear wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes, winds in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And then verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. See right there. The Bible says, watch this. At that time many will turn. Turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Amen. How many believe the word of God is true? Anybody believe? Now, Jesus ain't saying that. Hey, listen. Wars and rumors of wars. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Anybody heard that in the news lately? Wars, rumors of wars. I don't know. We're going to be at war again. I don't know. What are they doing? Look, it doesn't matter who the president is. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. We're in that kind of... Now, now listen, 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 listen. And he says, you'll also be persecuted. Well, I'll serve Jesus as long as I'm not persecuted. Then you're not serving Jesus. You're serving Satan. And the spirit of Antichrist is controlling your life. And you won't pray. You'll only pray if you get... Money. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, somebody say it, most, will grow cold. There are people that will not serve God because, because of all the wickedness that's in the world. And they will long for the wickedness, but the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. I'm just telling you why you're struggling with your prayer life right now. It's because your vision is skewed. 
You see, more than anything else, I just want Jesus. Somebody say, I just want Jesus. Look, look on down, Matthew 24, verse 30. At that time, the son, sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, now listen. <laughs> Come on, praise God. I'm trying... To help you with your spiritual intimacy so that you can have a powerful vision. Our vision is skewed. We need to de defeat demonic assignments and have a new vision for the plans and purposes of God. But listen, during this next 21 days, I'm anticipating people drawing closer to God than they ever have. Demonic strongholds being broken, families being united, old sicknesses being removed, and restoration across the board. But we must change our vision of prayer. And I understand this. Come and play some music and I'm going to finish. I was, uh, you know this brief story. Uh, how many have ever heard me tell a story about me being healed of severe headaches? I was a teenager, okay? But let, me, let, me, let me give you the back story, okay? Back story is it developed at a broken time in my life. I was living in a little country town with my father and mother and my three brothers. And one day I'm outside watering the horses. That's right. We had horses and we had chickens. Yeehaw, we did. So I'm out there taking care of my horses and chickens and I'm carrying the water and suddenly my left hand begins to go numb. My little finger was numb and it just worked itself all the way up my arm and into my face, left side of my face. Came numb. My tongue became numb and I couldn't talk very well. And I was seeing all kinds of bright spots. Lord Jesus. I was scared. I mean, I just dropped everything. Still, the memory is emotional to me. I ran through the house to find my daddy. And I said, Dad, let me tell you what's going on. And, I... and Dad looked at me. His loving daddy eyes, pastor dad, who's pastor in that little church there in that little town of Oregonia, Ohio. And he said, Ricky, I'm so sorry. What you're experiencing is the same thing that your grandfather experienced. And it's the same thing that I experience. You're just, I'm sorry, but you've just got what I had. I wanted him to pray for me. Daddy missed it that day. This left me in my pain. And from then on, for several years, I would have these signs that would come upon me. Every few months, it would hit me really bad. And I would be sick, throwing up just as sick as I could be, just have to go to bed. And I would just lay with covers over my head. And I would hold my head. And I'd cry. What is this? And it continued... We moved from that town to another town. Dad's pastor in another church. I find this cute little girl who's my girlfriend. I married her eventually, but I was a teenager at the time. She knew about what I was having. Went to a doctor. He gave me a name for what I was having and gave me a little pill that maybe I could take, and it would alleviate some of the stress and all. And, but we were in church one day, the Richmondale Church of God. Dad was up front, and it hit me. I felt that, and I, oh, dang it, here I go. I was country for that, so. 
had go. I felt that pain. But I stopped. I said, I don't want this anymore. So I put my dad on the spot. I left my seat and I walked down the center aisle and it was not prayer time. <laughs> it was not worship time. And I just said, Dad, I don't want this anymore. I don't believe I have to have this anymore. Something to that effect. I don't remember exactly the words. Would you pray for me? And Daddy prayed for me. And all the signs went away. And I never had another episode like that for the rest of my life. My grandfather died with those types of headaches. My father, I don't know if he still has them, but the last time I knew, he still had them on occasion. But I don't have them no more. The Try to figure out why me and not them. And I, could, I, could, I can hear the father say, I can hear the father say, because your faith was accurate and you had a vision to be healed. Because you had a vision that was powerful enough till you didn't care what everybody else thought. And you got up off your backside and you walked down and you got prayer and you believed me. You trusted me because I have a hope and a vision for you. And come on, you see, I, I didn't have a degree. I was just a teenager. I didn't have everything right in my life. But for a moment, I saw beyond what had happened to my father and to my grandfather. Two wonderfully godly, wonderful Christian men. And God healed me. Amen. Jesus. Are you ready to pray? I don't know how to do this altar service really well today. I have a vision for it. Would you stand first of all with me? Ah. And could I have people who pray? My, those who are here as prayer team workers just to come and be available here at the front. Jesus, Jesus. And maybe one day I'll get a hard heart and not weep in the, in the pulpit, but... Meanwhile, I'll weep and we'll just get changed. I realize that the time has exceeded much what we use, usually have. I have an appointment at 2 o'clock myself. So uh, uh, this altar service is not complicated, okay? Are you ready for this altar service? Anybody ready? Okay. Just bow your heads for a moment. I pray that the Lord would give you powerful vision. That you would now begin to see what God could do for you. And through you. But first of all. I pray. That God would give you a desire. For intimate relationship. With him. Through his son Jesus. And by the Holy Spirit. Does anybody want what I'm praying for you right now? Does anybody want that? Just say yes if you want that. That you would have a desire, a craving, a hunger, a hunger for the Lord. That in this next 21 days of prayer that you would be so hungry that it would be more difficult to stop your prayer than it ever has been before. So I pray. I pray that. Receive that. Just say, I receive that. Just say, I receive that. I receive that. Say it, I receive. I pray that you would receive healing and help even today because your vision is more powerful than it's ever been before. 
for those of you who want agreement in prayer. For those of you that are up here to pray, are you guys in agreement? Are you ready to agree with other individuals? Is your vision? Is your vision? Go ahead, prayer workers. Is your vision ready for this? Are you ready? So whatever you need, I want you to prepare to come up in just a moment. I want you to prepare. I want you to be ready. Not yet, though. You ready? Sing. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands in a receptive way. Sing first verse. Your presence, Jesus. Jesus, you owe me anything. Holy moment. Just say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Just want to be in your presence. Here we're in the presence of the Lord. Now, are you ready? Now that we're in the presence of the Lord, He loves you. So whatever you want to bring to Him, if you need to confess and give your life over to Jesus, if if you have pain in your family, your home, sickness within your body, you're going through it, I want you now in the presence of the Lord Jesus, I want you to slip out of your seat and come forward and just... Find somebody and stand with them and they will begin to agree with you in prayer. So good. So good. So good. Prayer workers all across are just stand close. They can pray for two or three people at the same time. So just squeeze in. Squeeze in. All right. Now, everyone else, I want you to take your hand. And I want you to lay it on shoulders of people nearby you. Lay it on somebody's shoulder nearby you. Lay it on somebody's shoulder. Notice, prayer worker, you might have more than one person behind you. Pull them up close to you so that they can be in agreement. Living Waters leaders, please come and you can help us as well. Now you've got your hands on somebody. I want you to pray this way. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. Say it. I welcome you, Lord Jesus. I welcome you, Lord Jesus. I want you to speak blessing on the person next to you as it comes to your heart. Just speak blessing. I speak blessing upon them. An open heart. An open heaven. The release of your power. Speak healing for them. Deliverance for them. Peace for them. Now, as you begin to pray for one another, I want you to pray earnestly. Now, when you're finished praying, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. As you finish praying, you may be dismissed. Please go back to the hospitality room and greet our hugs members. I look forward to seeing you in prayer in the next 21 days. Pray with one another. After you're finished with your prayers, embrace one another and be dismissed. God bless you all. Thanks.